Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, here we go, fellas. All right, man. This Ben Jarofsky Show, Benny J Bonus Interview, is brought to you in part by the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and the Chicago Federation of Labor. Benny J, take it away. Bonus time in the Ben Jarofsky Show. As I speak, it is Thursday, October 17th, 2019. Strike day in the city of Chicago. But we're not going to be talking about that. We're going to talk about something else. It's bonus time in the Ben Jarofsky Show. So Lord knows when you're listening to this. It's a podcast. My guests understand they're of the millennial persuasion. They realize that it's a podcast. You can listen to it anytime. That's correct. Uh, thank you, Robert Mueller. All right. Uh, so as I always do with bonus time in the Ben Jarofsky Show, I ask my distinguished guests, to introduce themselves because the guests can do a better job of introducing themselves than I can, right, oh, D? I've worked here a long time. <laughs> Truer things have never been said. So, distinguished guest, number one, introduce yourself. Hey, uh, my name's Jeffrey Orr. Uh, was raised in Chicago, public school. My father, uh, most of you would know, is a elected official for a long time, newly retired. Uh, he's David Orr, who was an alderman in the 49th Ward, Rogers Park, from 1979 to about 1990, and then became our Cook County clerk. Uh, also was the only mayor here in Chicago who never raised taxes, he likes to say. <laughs> all so one day, or no, eight days, one <laughs> eight week, days, I, meant, one, I meant one week. So, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, that <laughs> I'm, I moved back here to Chicago a couple years ago. Digital consultant, do marketing and advertising for small businesses, campaigns, unions, um, and uh, some back end work. Uh, All right, very good, go. uh, Jeffrey Orr. Distinguished guest number two, introduce yourself. Hey, I'm Sam Royko. Uh, I am Mike Royko's son, the uh, famous writer, the columnist here in Chicago. Um, now I'm a commercial litigation attorney here in Chicago. I previously worked at Robinson Curley, and I'm moving to Quinlan Law Firm now. I'm really excited about that. I'm also starting a podcast with Jeff here called Chicago Clout with Royko and Orr, and we're hoping to have some interesting guests on, talk about Chicago, and we're excited to be here. All right, very good. And yes, uh, the the Orr and Royko names are well known uh, to Chicagoans, even a transplanted Chicagoan like myself, uh, and I told these two uh, gentlemen, uh, well, the Royko name, I've said this many times, Sam Rico, and you probably get this all the time. Uh, he's your father is one of my uh, greatest heroes. I'll just say it. Uh, he's his book Boss is, is remains one of the most influential books that I ever read in the nonfiction. And uh, I grew up wishing I could be as good as Royko and realizing I was falling short. It's like a basketball player looks at Michael <laughs> Jeffrey Jordan and goes, you know, I'm pretty good, but not quite that good. <laughs> and so your old man really, uh, he just, he, you know, he is the standard bearer. And as my generation fades out, uh, unfortunately, the name Royko will not have the significance that it does for people of my age. My, uh, But that's just the reality because your dad, uh, of course, hasn't been writing 
since uh, he died in 1997. So that's the significance of Mike Royko in my life. Uh, and uh, Jeffrey, your old man, David Orr, uh, was one of the few politicians, I know I think I may have told you this, who would return my calls uh, when, you know, back in the day, going back into the 80s when I first moved here, the early 80s, because he was of the independent persuasion and he would be sure battling was. the machine, uh, Jane Burns' machine at the time, Eddie Verdoyak, Ed Burke, et cetera, and so forth. Those guys have nothing to do with me. Uh, but, you know, I could get a call back from uh, David Orr and talk to him, and he'd sort of be more or less, uh, for, for journalists like me, guys like Orr would be like our allies. Like they would give us information. Don't tell anyone I gave this to you, but, you know, give like us He's still doing that. <laughs> just may not yeah, be don't tell that. anyone I gave this to you. Uh, so anyway, let's uh, talk about the names Orr and Royko. You've come together. Jeff, explain uh, how it was that uh, you and Sam got together and, uh, for this podcast. I... You know, I think we w- were at uh, Cards Against Humanity uh, for an event, uh, and Kitty Kurth and Kevin Lamp uh, were doing something. The political love couple? The political uh, love yeah. couple? Oh. Always on the Ben Jarofsky show, holding hands. Stop <laughs> holding hands, Kitty. So Ki- yeah. Kitty uh, <laughs> said, you know, I, I want you to introduce somebody. Uh, this is Sam Royko, Mike Royko's kid. And uh, so I you know, looked at him and said, you know, your dad came after my grandmother one time. Uh, so we, uh, we need to talk about that a little bit. All right. Let, now, since you mentioned that, and then we'll get Sam's uh, rebuttal here. Uh, Jeffrey gave me this column from March 29, 1988. This is classic Mike Royko. And as everybody uh, of my generation knows, every now and then Mike would write uh, a, uh, a column based on letters. As he said, letters, calls, complaints, and great thoughts from readers. What a wise ass he was. Uh, Mike Royko. And so the first letter on March 29th, 1988 is from a woman in Lumbar named Lucille Orr, and it reads, Why do you always refer to all Chicago aldermen as crooks? Isn't it possible that there might be one or two who are not? Maybe it's because Alderman David Orr is my son (laughs) that I resent that reference, and to which Mike Royko responded, You are right. There are three or four aldermen who are suspected of being honest, and your son is one of them. I love that. I suspected of being honest. Not honest, just suspected of being honest. But as much I resp- but as much as I respect your maternal protectiveness, I have to raise this question. If you were a good mother, why did you permit your little boy to grow up to be a Chicago alderman? That's the end of the response and the end of the bit. Uh, Sam Rico, uh, was your dad a, as much of a wise-ass to you as he was to his uh, writers? The- First, I should say, I think so suspicion of honesty for an alderman in Chicago at the time. It's like the nicest compliment he could have paid (laughs) to a politician. Um, My dad was always a wise ass. I think that's one of the nice things about my dad. He was always really open about making jokes, playing practical jokes. Uh, I mean, he wasn't above any of it. He loved it. Uh, And I think it gave us a good taste of being at home with him in his writing. It was it was different. And I think that's one of the things I've really enjoyed having this like catalog of columns he's written to read through because it gives me these great reminders of my dad and not a lot of people when they lose someone like I did when my when I was almost 10 get to do that so it's been a really great experience to be able to go through that and uh, Jeffrey was your dad your dad has a reputation for being uh, honest and above board a real good government type was he that way at home was he honest and above board and a good government type or could he be bought off uh, by his children oh that's a good question yeah uh <laughs> Uh, pretty honest. We could, I, I know how to pull the strings. <laughs> I grew up there, but, uh, uh, no, I think it was through and through. I mean, he, that does the kind of the household, uh, he was raised in and it, uh, 
you know, reflect on what he wanted. And so the way that you say you'd pick up your calls, it was, it was the same way around dinner table, uh, dinner time, we would be interrupted calls quite frequently and he'd take them and, uh, and wanted to. And he thought that was part of, uh, signing up for this thing was, uh, you had a duty, uh, to the people around you, to your community, uh, to help out. And he's always done that. He still does. So, uh, and, uh, Sam there, uh, you said you were, you 10, were you say when your dad Almost died? 10. Yeah, I was nine. So did you have a sense of the legacy he had? You know, it's funny. It's been something over the course of the years. I've seen more and more. Um, we'll definitely have people who noticed the last name who said, Hey, I read your dad every day. That's why I subscribe to the Sun Times, the Tribune, the daily news. Um, I think that isn't as prevalent now as it used to be, but I'm hoping we'll see more of that come around as you know people look at the critiques he gave because right now I think people are so desperate for these pol political critiques and just that kind of jokiness but still getting the the point across the satire of it all. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, so, what are you guys hoping? You're, you have a podcast now that you're doing? Yeah, we do. Um, I think we're we're hoping to try to tell some of those stories uh, of what uh, is going on in Chicago. We kind of get a bad rap nationally. And, uh, you know, I think there's uh, more to it. Uh, we want to help share some of that. Uh, we'd love to uh, kind of interview people from, from the top to, you know, the guy that's sitting across from you at the bar. Uh, somebody that, uh, you know, I, th I think Sam's father spent a lot of time at the corner of the bar uh, and, uh, you know, probably had a lot of interesting conversations uh, and we want to kind of uplift some of those. Well, and I think the story was actually born out of a bar too. Uh, Jeff and I, so after we met Kitty and Kevin and were introduced at Cards Against Humanity, we of course went to a bar afterwards because that's what you do to get to know people. And we were at Racine Plumbing in Lincoln Park and had a couple drinks and we kept in touch. But it was at Logan Bar when we had each gone out that we had each had a couple beers at least um, and we met some people there that were really interesting we were talking about this idea and that's what kind of gave birth to this podcast idea and I think it's something we really want to carry through because it was about like the every man the individual there and it was also about like finding these people who not everyone has access to but asking them these questions or asking for stories that you might normally here and I think trying to find a cross of kind of this uh, studs turkle uh, dealing with the people of Chicago, but then also maybe a, a hint of the way my dad dealt with things, which is having that satire and that kind of a point of view where you're not totally sure you believe in everything. Well, no, and and, and this is sample uh, that I gave. Uh, from this uh, letter that uh, Mike Royko responded to, uh, to Jeffrey's grandmother, which is pretty funny. Uh, just you, you get a sense of Mike Royko's worldview as he presents it uh, on a daily basis. He wrote a column for, I think at this time when he was with the Tribune, it was four days a week, but when he was at the Sun-Times and the uh, Daily News, it was five days a week. It's a lot of work. Six for days. a while too. And six is no joke, okay? Yep. Uh, I can tell you right now, this guy does a <laughs> podcast uh, four days a week with bonuses. It's it's no joke. But just, it, it's just the level of, I don't know if, I guess a cynicism is the reigning word, uh, but this skepticism, like aldermen, well, I'm not saying they're crooks, but uh, they're suspected of being honest. And if you were really a good uh, mother, you would never have let your kid become a Chicago alderman. And I think, uh, uh, 
Mike Royko, probably more than anyone else, shaped the public's attitude in the city of Chicago toward our government, uh, Jeffrey Orr, uh, toward our aldermen. And, and, and kids, millennials and younger, they don't even know who Royko is. No. But they have the attitude. Do you follow what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, it's a very pro- powerful and uh, it, it's a very powerful legacy that he left. What's the legacy that you inherited uh, when people hear your last names or what's what generally the response uh, that you get? You know, growing up, uh, going to parades or events uh, would usually be, you know, your dad's an honest guy. Uh, he should be mayor or he should have been mayor. He should have ran for mayor. Uh, was a constant theme throughout my life. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm happy he wasn't because he got to be a father uh, and he got to be around for the kids. He loved um, coaching us in basketball, baseball. Um, being available, even uh, if he was always work oriented or picking up that phone, uh, he was he was still around a little bit. And I know uh, if he had gone maybe higher, I maybe wouldn't have that same type of relationship. Uh, and you know, it's something I really appreciate um, between me and you know, I have three other siblings. I'm the oldest, um, and uh, you know, that's that's kind of kind of who he is. And well, and it's interesting because I mean, I think. Most people assume my dad worked every day and then drank at the Billy Goat at night, which there's maybe some truth to that sometimes. (laughs) Um, But I think my dad also was there for me in a way that was really great. Like I I used to spend the nights when he would get back watching movies with him, like old Westerns, Albert and Costello movies, things like that. And I'd fall asleep on the couch and he would bring me up at night just so I had like the time to sit there and spend with him. And I I remember one of the things he did is the first time I ever played a video game is because he decided on his own to pick up Nintendo and brought home Mario. And this was the first start to Mario. And we would sit there and play Mario together. And I remember at that time, I didn't like doing the like the dungeon, the Bowser area, because yeah. it was almost scary to me. And my dad would do it for me. And I mean, no one thinks of that when they think of my dad. It's, it's a really different side I got to see to him, but it was really special to I me. Did. Did he get through that level, or he was pretty good? I didn't. It would never uh, ever associate your father with a video game in a million freaking years. Because uh, I just learned what Mario Brothers were about. A, what was it about like a week literally ago? Like Dave? last week. Yeah, last know. week. <laughs> Actually, watch this. Uh, who's uh, Mario's brother? Billy. Yeah, it's yeah. Billy. <laughs> Billy Mario. We're getting there, guys. We're getting there. <laughs> uh, we had a no. It was two weeks ago. Uh, we had a guest on the show who designs uh, video games. And so, you know, they were all making fun of the old guy. Hey, hey uh, who's Mario? And I didn't know. His brother's name's Luigi. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. I didn't know that. Um, uh, well, all right, uh, Sam, speaking of your dad, when you were very young, and I already alluded to this, he wrote a column that I remember to this day. I remember a lot of your dad's columns, but it was uh, you referred to it as the Jordan column. And I love this column. Uh, uh, Jeffrey, if you're a father, you will appreciate this. I don't know if you are. I don't uh, know either. <laughs> now, that is a Mike Royko line coming out of David Orr's son's. Uh, uh, I'm not quite sure. Uh, I got to go check it out. Uh, but this is a, 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 I call it the Michael Jordan uh, column, and this is a column that's great on many levels. Mike, Mike Royko was huge in this town, but by 1995 or 96, whenever this column was written, he was definitely uh, of secondary status, stature to Michael Jeffrey Jordan, uh, whose middle name was uh, given to him uh, out of honor to Jeffrey Orr. And uh, <laughs> I just made that up. And so uh, there was, this is a column that Royko wrote 
And you, it was his way of sort of acknowledging that he knew where, where he stood in the hierarchy of celebrities in Chicago. Uh, he was at a golf course, and Michael Jordan was golfing, and Michael Jordan's party was walking toward him. Uh, and, well, you've read the column, correct? You know, I've read the column. I also, I mean, I remember it. It was such Talk a about huge it. moment to me. I mean, we, we were at a country club, Sunset Ridge, and Sunset Ridge would close on Mondays. And when they would close... Michael Jordan would go into play because it's Michael Jordan. He can basically do what he wants in Chicago at that time, probably still can. Um, And my dad said, you know, they're closed, but we can go and fish. So he got me all ready to fish and he goes, wait, you could fish in the golf course. They had like a little bridge crossing on one of the holes where you could settle in and you could fish. There was a little pond. Where where is this golf course? I know nothing about Uh, it. Sunset Ridge is in Northfield, I think. Okay. It's in the suburbs. Yep. Yep. So So you're fishing on a golf course. We're fishing. I forgot this detail of the the column. And he asks me before we go to wear my Michael Jordan Jersey. And I think like any kid in the mid nineties, I had more than one Michael Jordan Jersey. Um, Of course, I insisted in wearing the 45. Now, my dad definitely did some pushback. and was like, you sure you don't want to wear the 23? I think you should wear the 23. No, I was I was set. I was going to wear the 45. So I wore the 45. Wait, time out. Why? Why would you say, okay, so everybody knows who's young, so young they don't know. Michael Jeffrey Jordan was number 23, but when he, re- he retired in 1993, look at how I know this stuff. He retired <laughs> in 1993. When he came back mm-hmm. uh, it, uh, in 1995, at the end of the 94-95 season, he insisted on wearing... 45. I think it was because it was his baseball. I don't know. He wanted well, his it. number had been retired, I think. So they couldn't unretire it at the time. And so he, there was some tie-up with him not being able to wear the 23. I, I the don't think that was it, but who knows? It. I, I, he's Michael Jeffrey Jordan. He can do whatever he wants. <laughs> right. If he goes, hey, unretire that number. They got Anyway, he, he, he came out wearing 45. So go ahead, finish. Yeah. yeah, so I decided I would wear the 45. And I don't know why I decided to wear the 45. That, that's where I was at. Maybe I was excited he came back. I don't know. Um, and so I wore that jersey. And I had no idea what was going on. We were fishing at the hole, and then they came across. And my dad hated bothering celebrities. He hated it. Yeah. And he, for me, in this instance, uh, decided that he would bother Michael Jordan. I think you talk about the, the even the Michael hierarchy yeah. in Chicago at this point. He was maybe number two. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I would say he's three by this time because you got Michael Keller Ditka. So I would say it was Michael Jeffrey Jordan, Michael Keller Ditka, and Michael. I don't know what his middle name is. Royko. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't even know if I yeah. know what his middle name is. He might have not had a middle name. <laughs> um, but no, it was a great it was a great experience. Um, my dad really, I think, hated asking Michael Jordan to sign this for me, but anything for his kid. I still have that jersey. Wait, time out. So uh, Jordan's walking, uh, yeah. and I remember he's smoking a cigar, and your dad, he's coming towards you, and he, boom, could you sign this for my son? You remember this then? Yeah. And, jo- and Jordan signed it. Jordan signed it while I was wearing it. Did he know who your dad was? You know, I don't remember that discussion. I think he probably didn't love that we were bothering him while he was golfing. Um, I'm not even sure if my dad led with you know, who he was yeah. and why he wanted him to sign it. But I think this was this was really like a father putting himself out there for his kid. And I'm sure with my dad's feeling, you know, not wanting to bother a celebrity, maybe a little bit of pride, probably didn't love the idea of doing this, but I think he really put himself out there for me to, to get that signed. It, I still have it. I love it. Do you have, uh, so you still have the, the jersey? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the joke within the joke is that, uh, that, um, 
Michael Mike Royko was no longer the number one Mike in the city of Chicago, and he you know was like really awkward. But the things he would do for his kid, and he was irritated that he had to do it, and he did it anyway. And and he was he was a really good sport about it. And you know I I I can't imagine him doing anything for that if, for any other reason. Yeah. But that, that's how the kind of guy he was at home. Now, do you have any uh, experiences similar to that, Jeffrey, where your father uh, you had to bear the brunt of? like your father's fame or a response from anybody regarding your father, anything, anything similar to that? Um, you know, growing up, no, most of it was all, all usually positive. I remember the first time I ever met somebody who had something bad to say about him before they, you know, knew I was his kid. And, uh, uh, it was, uh, at a bar in Edgewater and we actually became really good friends. Cause this was an old city, retired city worker. And, uh, he was, he was, uh, still upset about, um, uh, public housing that he claimed that my father brought into the 49th ward. And, uh, and I remember, uh, uh, sitting down and I said, I got, I got to listen to this guy. Cause I've never heard this, this perspective before. Uh, and, um, Patrick was his name and, uh, still see him once, once in a blue moon. Cause he's drinking at the sovereign on Broadway, I believe <laughs> these days, but, um, cool guy, a little crotchety for an old man, but, uh, you know, he brought a different, different perspective, I think, um, now, you, your background, I know a little bit about uh, Jeffrey Orr's background. Do not know yours, Sam. We'll start with you, Jeff. Uh, you were a graduate of Whitney Young High School. Was. And uh, so talk about uh, your days at Whitney Young. Were you a student activist back then? 100%. Yeah. I probably spent more time outside of school uh, uh, organizing or at protests than I, than I did uh, inside. Um, got involved with uh, Organized Students of Chicago uh, that was started by Will Tansman, uh, who is with the People's Lobby now, I believe. Um, great guy. Uh, I have a good story about uh, meeting him in Philadelphia for uh, the 2000 RNC. But um, Organized Students Chicago was a big one. And then I worked uh, or had friends that were active um, with uh, some more far farther radical groups. Uh, so did a lot around police brutality back then, October 22nd Coalition. Uh, and um, also brought up was uh, some trips down to uh, Georgia for the School of the Americas. Um, and then, uh, you know, uh, first time I got arrested was at a Klan rally, uh, trying to protest the Klan in Gary, Indiana. Uh, in about how old were you for that? How, how old? I was about 16. Um, you got arrested when you were 16 for yeah, a counter-protest with the Klan? Yeah, I, I snuck in a can of mace to the, um, the kind of the white supremacist side and was trying to mace the Klan and uh, got caught. So, <laughs> and uh, where, so did they put you in jail? They did for the weekend. Uh, they don't have weekend bond court there, so I had to spend the weekend in jail. <laughs> Parents had to come down, uh, um, try to get me some, some bail and go straight, straight back to school. Did it ever uh, that come out a, that David Orr's son was arrested at a counter rally? For no, I, I mean, I, I was a juvenile, so, it, so you know, that, that stuff was sealed. Did um, your dad ever say, look, kid, man, you're making my life difficult. You got the same name I do. Can you just chill out at Klan rallies? I, I'll, I'll tell you that uh, he, uh, my mom uh, was a big activist, too. So, so I know they were supportive of that. He'll find his way. Maybe they weren't the, the most, you know, the happiest that what went down. But I think they understood it. Uh, I think that's better than uh, what could be, you know, there's other things that I could have been, uh, kids 16 get arrested for, right? <laughs> <Yes>. So <laughs> out of the things you get arrested for at 16, yeah. probably the universal worst, things, right? uh, smoking reefer or getting arrested well, for... White privilege. I don't ever got arrested for smoking reefer. <laughs> I definitely got away with it. 
very well put. You could tell that's David Orr's kid. He got that <laughs> one uh, right away. So just two days in jail. What was it like? Two days in jail in Indiana? Uh, well, you know, they, they had segregated me. So um, the, the first night, um, my mother came down with her friend, and her friend wa- brought me the Bible to read. So it was boring. <laughs> Wait, they brought you the Bible to read while you were in prison or jail, I mean? That, her friend did. She didn't bring down a book. So I got the Bible, and I think it was like a romance novel. And I, I they weren't letting me out because. What a combo. And you chose the Bible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know. Did you actually read Way the Bible lighter. while you were in the. A little bit. Um, I, you know, the other thing was you're just there for 23 hours, and they had me kind of on suicide watch or something, you know, because I was new in. I don't really know, you know, the process. So I, there was nothing but. But yeah, wow, that I, that reminds me of an episode of Sanford Son, which is a show way before your time. Either no no one in this room knows it, but Sanford Son, one of my favorite shows of all time, and uh, Red Fox, Fred Sanford was arrested, and uh, Aunt Esther, who was his aunt in the show, uh, he was in, in jail. She was a Bible reader, and she goes, "I got you in jail, Fred Sanford. You're going to have to listen to this." And she pulls out the Bible and starts reading the Bible to him. Oh God, <laughs> let me out of jail. Sorry, I just had to go there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, or Sam, do you have any uh, memories even remotely like that from when you were a kid? Not like school? that. No. I mean, so I had a really different path in high school. Mm-hmm. I I took my dad's death pretty hard. I actually dropped out of high school my sophomore year at New Trier. And after dropping out, I worked at Best Buy, uh, like the one in Old Orchard, which I think is no longer there. Um, it was a great job for me. I learned a lot and I, I got my GED and that's what started me off the path to college. Wait, well, hold on, hold on here. I don't know yeah. if it's too personal or anything, but if you could just talk about it. You were 10 when your dad died. I was. And uh, so how did, where did that, uh, you know, what direction did you go in the aftermath of that? You know, it left a lasting impact. I think for me, uh, I was always a pretty good student, but I got a lot worse at going to school. I mean, Jeff joked about being out of school a lot. I was out of school a lot too, but it wasn't because I was at rallies or Mason the Clan. Um, and it, it was hard for me. It was something that I struggled with, and I struggled with it for years. And my family moved back down to Chicago when I was about 16. And I remember that was like my first time of trying to like figure out, getting it all done on my own. And, and, and I really struggled. I was probably 15, actually. Wait, time out. So your family, you were living outside of Chicago? We moved outside of Chicago um, when I was younger. We went from Saugonash to Lincoln Park, and then we moved back up to, like, Winneka area. Good God. Yeah, so we bounced around. Wow. That was a tough move for my dad, I think. I think he got bribed with a dog. It was, if we go up there, there's a dog. Who, who, it was your mom's decision, obviously. I think it was a combination. They we're throwing your mom schools. under the bus. No, we wanted, <laughs> we wanted good schools. The dog was great. I loved having a dog. My dad loved having a dog. Um, I think it was just, you know, it's a thing some people do when they have kids, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, it, it, it is coming back to me because your dad always made fun of the suburbs back in the 60s and the 70s, and then he moved there, and yeah, right, the dog was what <laughs> bought him off. And uh, so were you happy? In the, did you like living in Winnetka? I did. I mean, it, it definitely, there was a night and day difference between when my dad was around and after. That was, that was a tough hit for me. But I think that, you know, it was an interesting area to grow up. I mean, obviously, I ended up back in Chicago. I'm here now. So. Yeah, so, so did you, before you graduated high school, you moved back to Chicago? So before I grew so because I didn't graduate, I actually, uh, I lived up there for a year before I came down here. I came down here when I got into DePaul. 
And DePaul was a big part of that. And I actually lived a block away from our old house in Lincoln Park when I got back to DePaul. So it was it was really different. It was a there was a white hen that I think turned into a seven eleven when I was down there that I used to walk down with my dad to the corner and like pick up donuts on Sunday and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And it was the same one. And it was kind of it was kind of trippy at first. It was very different. But I mean I love Chicago. I, I went to DC for law school and I always felt the pull back to here. It's there's nothing like the city. Now do you, do you have the attitude and I'm just curious what uh, Jeffrey has in this. I'll ask you first, Sam, and then Jeffrey, you weigh in. Uh, do you have the attitude about the suburbs uh, that so many Chicagoans have, which is a bit of disdain uh, for the suburbs? And so, for instance, uh, this will happen many times when children go off to college. And they, they, let's say they go to a neutral set. Let's say they go to the University of Wisconsin in Madison, uh, and they're two, thrown into a room. And one kid is from the north side of Chicago, and he or she went to just make it up at a high school. Uh, Whitney Young, let's just say Whitney Young, <laughs> for lack of a better high school name. <laughs> and the other kid is from Naperville, went to Naperville North. And so they say, hello, how are you doing? How are you doing? Where are you from? And the kid from Naperville North goes, well, I'm, I'm from uh, Chicago. And the kid from Whitney Young says, oh, really? What high school did you go to? Well, I went to Naperville North. You're not from Chicago. You're from Naperville. Do you have that attitude? You know, I don't hear that a lot. And I think there might be reasons that I don't hear that a lot. No one's really like questioned my Chicago credentials. Because of the last name. That might play a part. Yeah. yeah. Um, but But I get it. I get like the, I'm thankful that I grew up or I started my life in Chicago. Um, but at the same time, the suburbs offers things that I think draw people. And, you know, it was nice. There was definitely uh, different advantages that I had being in the suburbs. And I'm really thankful for the path that I traveled. Like, I'm really happy with where I am today. And I know that all was part of it. Oh, no. Uh, um, yeah. I, I'm probably one of those one of those people that are, that are tough on it. If you're If you're from Evanston, two blocks away from where I grew up. You're not from Chicago. No, I agree. <laughs> I agree with you, one hundred percent. And I say that as someone who went to Evanston High School. Yeah. All right. <laughs> there is a big difference between uh, Evanston and Chicago, in my humble opinion. Yeah. As somebody who uh, went to Evanston High School and now has lived so long in the city of Chicago, I would say. And I'm, by the way. I'm not saying it's all the advantage of Chicago. No, there's right. some of the things Chicago wants oh, yeah. to do on a regular basis. So freaking stupid! I no. can't believe they still do it. Absolutely, but there is um, a, def- but a difference. But I think there's a difference, yes. right? And uh, um, yeah, so I, I acknowledge delineate it. that difference. I, you know, to me, um, Rogers Park was diver- the diversity there growing up was you just couldn't find that in another suburb at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the access to public transportation. Uh, um, suburbs have a bubble live. too. There's yeah. there's kind of a bubble in the suburbs, and y- you really don't challenge your worldview maybe as much. Like for me, a big part of why I was happy that when I did leave, I ended up at Best Buy is I saw a lot of different things that I don't think I had experienced in high school at New Trier. I mean, New Trier has like a like scuba diving class or something like that. You know, it's it's crazy. <laughs> you, you wouldn't think of that stuff, and I think it was a very different lifestyle and a very different uh, mindset around you. And I think that get breaking that bubbles. Let me just say one thing. Uh, I have to get political for a second. Uh, Nutria has a scuba diving class. The city of Chicago, the teachers of the city of Chicago are on strike right now because the city somehow or other cannot afford to have nurses, librarians, social workers, and counselors in a classroom. And yet Nutria has a scuba diving class. And uh, that pretty much 
It might have been snorkeling or something. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you know. I sit corrected. <laughs> snorkeling class. Oh, snorkeling class. I don't know. I never yeah. took it. I mean, but, we just talked about my background there. Hello, yeah. graduated income tax. Uh, but uh, a point is uh, very well uh, taken. So anyway, uh, so you would have had uh, Jeffrey Orr, like a bit of a Chicago kid's that little chip on the shoulder, a little attitude about a kid from the suburbs. I, I think so, and I did. I um, My first year of college was at Arizona State, uh, and my roommate was from Lockport. You know, and uh, we're completely different. We lasted about a month and a half, maybe together, <laughs> and uh, then we ended up in different rooms. So, uh, yeah, yeah, you have that Chicagoans attitude. Well, let's talk about. Uh, <laughs> I do. Uh, one of the things that you said you wanted to do uh, with your show is a special show about the book Boss. Uh, let's talk about that a little bit. Jeff, have you read Boss? Yeah. Uh, you, my dad threw it in front of me when I was probably 14, 15 years old. I started to be wanting to be active or, or not organized. And he said, you, you got to read this book. You got to understand Chicago. This is the book for you. I think we were on a v- vacation when he gave it to me. He had his notes uh, you know, oh, an annotated version. Absolutely. That's great. Uh, he was a history professor before becoming and taught during while he was an alderman still teaches. Uh, so yeah, he always marks up his books and I, I was through it in front of me. I loved it. So yeah. both maybe honest and good taste in books. I like it. Yeah. Uh, not something that you would, uh, you know, correlate with an alderman from the city of Chicago. <laughs> uh, boss, of course, uh, I may have said this earlier is Mike Royko's, uh, 1971 book, uh, of the biography of Mayor Richard J. Daly. That's the Daly before M. Daly. Uh, so, uh, Sam, have you read it yet? I haven't read Boss. Mm-hmm. And that has been a sticking point with, uh, well, Kitty and Kevin, who introduced me and Jeff. And it's been something that I really want to do, but it's still hard to read my dad's writing. Uh, there's a personal side to it that when I hear his voice, it can be very difficult. And Boss has always kind of been that uh, the big, the holy grail of his writing for me to kind of tackle. And I think I think what we want to do and what we're looking to do here is we're talking about on our podcast, bringing this out so that everyone can kind of go along with us. We're going to we're going to promote it. We're going to talk about which chapters we're reading. We're hoping at the end that we can have a big group, get some Chicagoans together and do a live stream where we talk about it. They can listen, maybe have an event where some people can come out and watch and ask questions and really kind of dive into boss. And it'll be my first experience doing that. So you'll get to go through this process of me reading my dad's book that I think has become such a big book in Chicago. And I really hope that it's something that brings people together and brings different opinions to the table. Uh, I really hope you, do you have a sense of when you're going to be doing this, the timetable on this? You know, we're getting started now. Um, we're going to get a sign-up sheet on our website, chicago-clout.com, um, where we're going to get a newsletter together and we'll keep in contact with people. We also now have a Facebook, which is Chicago Clout with Royco and Orr, and we have a Twitter hashtag at Royco Orr. Um, and so we're going to keep people updated. We'll let them know this is something we want to put thought into putting together. We want to make sure there's the right people there talking through this with us. But I think it should be really fun. I'm hoping it's going to be a really good experience. And I'm sure it'll be a, both a challenging and a rewarding experience for me. How, how many um, shows have you done? Did you say one show so far? So one show. We're filming another one tonight or taping another one tonight with uh, Don Rose, who is a legend here. And, you know, we have a, a couple more lined up that we're looking forward to having. Now, did you know Don? Don Rose, do you know him? Have you ever met him? I have a couple times. I worked, uh, you know, met him uh, from, we really had good conversation on Chewy Garcia's campaign for mayor back uh, in 2015. Um, I'm sure I met him a lot 
more when I was younger, uh, but but we had, we've had some good conversations. All right, that is Don Rose. He's a legendary uh, uh, political strategist in the city of Chicago, a writer, a longtime writer. He used to write for The Reader uh, many years ago, and so it's pretty interesting. I'm sure he was friends with your dad, uh, Sam Rico, as well. We're really excited about it. You know, he, he played a big role in civil rights here in Chicago. He has been involved in so many different politics here. I know David Axelrod was someone that he worked really closely with. And on top of that, he was also one of the first Ribfest judges for my dad's Oh, that's fest. right. Rib fest. Oh my God. That goes way back. So in was time. my dad. Yeah. <laughs> Is that right? He was one of the first judges too at uh, Royco fest. Oh, which... so he trusted his rib fest to an <laughs> alderman. He did. Interesting. <laughs> uh, all right. Very, I'm sure uh, Lucille Orr. that would be your grandmother who wrote this letter yeah. and uh, a great letter and a great re- <laughs> response by Mike Royco. One more time, Jeff Orr, tell people the name of your show, uh, where they can get, follow it and all that good stuff. Yeah. So we are, uh, Chicago Clout with Royco and Orr. Our website would be www.chicago-clout.com and uh, our Facebook page Chicago Clout with Royco and Orr uh, and then you can find us on Twitter uh, which is Royco and Orr or Royco Orr. Royco uh, Orr. Yeah. Alright, very good. Royco Orr. That Royco is R-O-Y-K-O for uh, folks who do not do not know and Orr is O-R-R, two R's. When you've read Boss, let's bring you back. We can do a deep dive on Boss like I said, it's one of my favorite books. The opening chapter uh, is absolutely brilliant. Great writing. And uh, so I really enjoy getting involved with that when you guys get that together. That sounds right? great. Awesome. Sounds good. All right. Great. That's Jeff Orr, Sam Rico. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody.